Hello, thank you for joining us. This is What Counts, a podcast created by Trailblazer Consulting. Here we highlight proven solutions developed through our experience working with companies across various industries, and we talk about how you can apply those solutions to your company. We share our experience solving information management challenges like creating and implementing your records retention schedule, creating an asset data hierarchy, or helping with email management. This is Lee. And in this episode, Moore and I will continue our discussions around mergers, acquisitions, divestitures, and closures. Moore, in our last episode, we laid the groundwork for mergers and acquisitions. We spoke about an overall framework for areas of a company that are affected, like people, process, and technology. We gave an explanation of what is included when we talk about mergers and acquisitions. From our perspective, we include mergers, acquisitions, divestitures, and closures in that term of mergers and acquisitions. (laughs) We focus specifically on acquisitions, and we kind of blended into mergers as well because we talked about retention schedules and email management and training and so forth. But I do feel like at the end, we left it open to a number of other items, um, like the cultural effects in your records management program or information governance program. Storage vendors, backfile, retention labels on Office 365. Those are just some of the things that I think we can get to in this conversation. How do you feel about that? Sounds like a good next step. Mergers and acquisition, divestitures and enclosures, it's hard to say. So that's why we kind of group it all together under, let's talk about the data impacts, the information and governance impacts of an M&A activity. And what those what those four things all have in common to me is that there is pre-existing data that's either coming together or coming apart in some way. So it's different from if you're a company and you're going to grow into a new area organically, you're going to start creating new data sets and they have to be added to your retention schedule. And if you listen to our episode on how to build a retention schedule, you know that that's one of the triggers for review and add new categories. And that's a much easier process because you don't have a massive quantity of old data that you have to deal with right away. But when you're talking about M&A, you have to be responsible for the data that's coming in right away. So last week we talked about, or last time, we talked about how to kind of review and mesh existing retention schedules. Your up-to-date retention schedule, because you've been paying attention to this podcast and you keep your retention schedule up to date, and whether there is a retention schedule from the company that you're merging with or acquiring or not, you have to do something about the fact that they have existing records. So a couple of different options. They have a schedule, it's out of date, and you you update it. Great. They don't have a schedule, you look at their records, and you add to your schedule the record categories that are missing. Great, now you've got a good document, but you haven't applied it to anything. And Lee, you mentioned offsite storage vendors, labels in Microsoft 365 and backfile. And I think that those together, they cover the application side of things. So let's talk about each of them. That is application of the retention schedule. Wait, 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 I'm good with that. But I did also mention culture. And I think it's a key piece because there may be groups in this merging or acquired company that are dead set on this is the retention we abide by. And here's why, right? Well, you, your company, 
and the the retention schedule that wins out, you either adopt that or you have to negotiate and say, that's fine, five years, but you know, we had seven and here's why we kept it for seven. And so there's a there's a governance, there's a cultural thing that we need to work through as well. Absolutely, because uh, one of the themes of our podcast and our work is how information management is about behavior. And so when you're talking about people, everybody's got opinions and the cultural piece is important. So I was, it's not that I was forgetting. I just hadn't gotten there yet, but you're right. Maybe it should be the first thing you look at. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, no, because I here was what I, here's where I was going and then we'll see if we need to walk it back. I was thinking, okay, we've got the new retention schedule. We've agreed on it. How big is the problem of how to apply it to the existing paper or um, electronic records? And then how do we go about applying it is where we would get to the cultural piece because what if you've got a keep everything forever group coming into a, we are right on top of our um, retention schedule and we disposition things right away. That's a cultural clash for sure. But it's probably iterative which is think about the culture. You had to think about the culture when you finally got to a, here's our agreed new schedule. You have to think about the culture in, do we look at paper first or electronic first? How much training and communication do people need in order to follow the new rules that we're telling them? So so good, good add, <laughs> good add to what I was thinking. I'm gonna talk about technically, sort of how do we look at this back file mess? And then you can talk about the culture pieces. How about that? I see you. I see you nodding. Yes, that works. <laughs> I can see that. Our listeners cannot. All right. So backfile paper records in offsite storage is by far the easiest thing to get your arms around because it's concrete. You probably have an inventory at some level of saying we have this contract with this offsite storage vendor and there are 206,011 million boxes in warehouses that have at least some level of indexing. It might not be good indexing and that then takes you to another level of how do we assess what we've got out there, but you got something. You got It came from the Dallas office and it covers the years 2000 to 2005. So things like that. And it's overall, no, even if you've got 11 million boxes, it's still smaller than the electronic problem, most likely. So I would say first step on trying to apply your new retention schedule to this back file is, to this paper back file, is how many offsite storage vendors do you have now with your M&A? Did you bring just one in with the acquired company? Did you just have one? And now it's two different ones. How do you mesh them together? What kind of contract negotiations do you need to do to do that perm out, take it out of one vendor and into the other one? Um, what the, What is that going to cost you? If you only have one vendor and you're looking at companies that are older and have been acquired and merged and changed um, organizational structures a few times, I'd be surprised if you only have one vendor. Um, we often see multiple uh, offsite storage vendor contracts, even within the same company, because offsite storage vendors are not at the top of the M&A action checklist for transition. And so just continue paying it, whatever somebody's paying attention, 
at an individual level, someone's paying attention, but at a corporate level, nobody's really looking at it. But you, in your role of information governance across this new integrated organization, you want to look at that. And you want to look at it not only from a cost perspective, because you're paying different rates to these different groups, but also, and more importantly, from a consistency perspective. How consistent are the different vendors in destroying records in accordance with the retention schedule? And in the case of the merged um, entity, the one that's coming in, there's almost a hundred percent chance that the labeling is wrong because you've changed the retention schedule and you have new category names or category numbers. There's also a reasonable chance that the retention periods have changed depending on how old either retention schedule was when you started putting them together. So you need to do a review of the holdings in all the offsite storage vendors. And then based on what you find, decide, can we destroy things that are going to be out that are now out of date based on this new approved integrated schedule? Do we want to move things out of offsite storage, one storage vendor A to storage vendor B? Do we want to take things out of storage that actually were never records? They were just copies of things and we could destroy them because it doesn't matter about the retention schedule because they're just copies. So there's a lot in there, but it's very concrete. In theory, you want to do the same thing on the electronic side. Look at all the back file. What documents are out there on your file shares or SharePoint sites or Google Drives, any content management systems that you have, has anybody been applying retention actively on their electronic side on either side of this merger process? Are you using things like the Microsoft labels and categories, either in O365 or in SharePoint to automatically apply retention? Does your content management system enforce your retention schedule on either side of this group, of these, this now merged group? And you've got to look at it and see, does anything exist? Then you start the more painful process of, okay, we have a little bit covered, but really mostly it's just a free-for-all. We're depending on people to organize things, create folder labels that make sense, and then apply retention manually. We all know that's probably not working. <laughs> so you got to look across that and start looking, doing inventories and comparisons, looking for duplicates and versioning and and come up with, okay, here's the set of electronic records that we believe should be under control, retention control. Use whatever tools you have in-house to do that, or there are tools that you can purchase to help with that sort of web crawling, file share crawling, inventory, properties, gathering, and and make, it, make some decisions. It's not going to be 100%. But make some decisions. We're going to keep this set of things under this retention category, this record category for this long. Here's our justification for it. Document your decision process um, is critically important here. And then the things that you've decided are not records or they're exact duplicates or whatever, get rid of them. So those were only like six sentences describing what can be a really hard months long process for getting at your back file. But those are the steps. It's just, as always with records management, the devil's in the details and how long is it gonna take to get through each step? So take it one, one day at a time and figure it out. All right, so having looked at kind of back file from a technical perspective, What's the, what are the challenges we might come run into from a cultural perspective? 
Well, you started with you get everyone to agree way back in the beginning of this episode. And that's where I jumped in and said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's a key piece, right? Getting people to agree. And I do think as long as you have a governance committee, now you should include somebody from the merged company or the acquired company on that governance committee. I think you should explain everything to, and so that everything is transparent um, when it comes to particularly the retention schedule. And, I, and we're not talking about something that's it's difficult because there are regulations that do give you a guide. So it's more of a person-to-person -person negotiation or department-to-department -department negotiation about, okay, let's settle on X amount of years. And that's fine. Where you come into some of the issues is when you get the buying company, that uh, the, the company that's acquiring somebody else, they want to force feed the schedule. Nope, this is what we go by and this is what you're going to use. And we've seen it. We've seen it at a medical um, uh, healthcare related company um, where they just wanted to push it through. And there were different countries that said no. And here's why. Not, not only because of the regulation, but it was more of a cultural thing for them as well. And so there needs to be some give and take. And that's kind of where I was going with this culture piece. People need to work together. We all understand that. And when tensions get high because we're bought or we're sold or, or, or we're merged together, people begin to worry about their position in the company and there's a lot of grabbing. And so we want to be able to work through all of the situations and the retention schedule is one that needs to be on the, the agenda. I completely agree. And I, I think what we've also seen in a lot of merger and acquisition situations is that that culture piece may, be may have been neglected all the way up and down the chain in terms of operations or payroll. Like actually payroll and benefits is a place where usually they do, companies do a better job because they need to get people in the system. They need to get them paid. They want to make it attractive. So they match the benefits or they do whatever they need to do to make everybody feel good about this new environment that they're working in. But once they get past that, that HR perspective and into how does the company really work, that is hard work to integrate and culturally bring people to a place where it's not the old culture from company A and it's not the old culture from company B, but it's actually a new culture for the merged environment that everybody's happy with. And that's a lot of effort. The data side of it is one, one small piece, I would argue, but maybe that's just because of what we do, that if you can't get that, uh, that cultural acceptance and agreement in the data world, you're opening yourself up for risk because people who don't agree with decisions will find a way around them. And so if you've got a group that definitely does not agree with the new retention schedule or the new approach or the new labels or who knows what, they're going to find a way to squirrel stuff out, you know, in other places. And then when you have a problem, you have an audit, you have a discovery situation, whatever it is, that could come back to haunt you. So it's worth the effort, I think, from a data perspective to, yeah, think about this technically. How are we going to bring all this together? How are we going to get control of it? That's like a, a another level of the same problem you have in your organization every day because you're trying to impose order on the chaos. Bringing in another company's chaos just makes it harder. But that 
that cultural integration is a new thing that you also need to do in these situations. That's good. I like that. I think we could close there if you'd like. We can. I think we should for today in terms of the the sort of practical side of how we get things to come together in an M&A situation. And I think that leaves us in a good spot for the other side, which is what if you're spinning off part of your company, you're divesting something, what are the data implications for that? But you will have to wait for another episode to hear how we approach a divestiture. All right. Thank you. If you have any questions, please send us an email at info at trailblazer.us.com or look us up on the web at www.trailblazer.us.com. Thank you for listening and please tune into our next episode. Also, if you like this episode, please be a champion and share it with people in your social media network. As always, we appreciate you, the listeners. Special thanks goes to Jason Blake, who created our intro music. Thanks, Lee, and thanks, everyone. Talk to you next time.